you're listening to the Theology for the Church podcast with Dr. Caleb Leonard, a resource for the church that aims to help Christians explore how Christian doctrine, framed by the biblical story, is to be applied to the Christian life in the context of the local church. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Theology for the Church podcast. Today I'm joined by Jennifer Friesen from the nonprofit organization Them Before Us to discuss the importance of prioritizing the rights of children in the culture, in courtroom, the personal realm, and the public sphere of life. Jen, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me for this conversation. Hey, Caleb. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we jump into some more specific questions about our topic. Would you mind sharing just a little bit more about yourself for our listeners? How'd you get where you are today? Family, educational, vocational background, those type of things. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest and um, born into a Christian family. I would say my mom very faithfully follows Jesus, has my whole life. And um, we were homeschooled, but my mom worked outside the home and kind of did what she could and um, went to, so we're homeschooled. Then we went to kind of private or public college, like the running start situation, went to a private college, Christian college. So I kind of have a variety of educational experiences in terms of Christianity or cultural or things like that. And then I've worked in the nonprofit sphere for over 10 years. I worked with a youth nonprofit primarily with kids with special needs. So we did weekly gatherings, we went to summer camp, and I got a lot of my uh, passion for caring for people on the margins and the vulnerable in that context. Grew up in the church, have always, I kind of feel like I've always known God, always believed he was real, so that was not Mm -hmm. the issue for me. But definitely the challenge when you're raised in the church is making sure the inside of the cup to borrow that, uh, what Jesus says, you know, the outside of the cup looks good and looks clean and making sure the inside of the cup was congruent and, you know, coming out of not being legalistic and not just making sure it looked right on the outside, but sure having congruent faith that impacts everything I do inside and out. And then got to know Katie. I think we, I realized we had some mutual friends and realized she was local and got to know her in more of that pastoral uh, mentoring sense, her mentoring me as a woman and and then she had this idea for them before us was already doing some things and talking and moving and just invited me to be a part of it first sort of some volunteer things with social media i was on the board just because they needed bodies to have an official nonprofit. you need a board and so i was a trusted person she could invite to the board and then uh, got to move on from there more responsibilities to being full-time on staff as of september last year so yeah awesome me kind of a just a natural uh you know progressing naturally from that what what's the origin story uh behind them before us would you share that with our listeners yeah for sure so katie was a child of divorce uh she i think she was around 10 years old when her parents got divorced and she shares this story with lots of people but um her mom partnered with a woman and then I think her dad got remarried, but she shares how the divorce impacted her in a lot of negative ways. Something she was very thankful for was that she was continued to be raised in relationship with both her mother and her father. So they still made it work, even though they didn't want to be together. They still 
made sure that both of those people were involved in her lives. So she has that personal context for it. And then when marriage got, you know, flipped, turned upside down by the Supreme Court and expanded basically to mean anything people want it to mean, she just saw, that, saw this cultural shift where now the only reason you could think marriage is between a man and a woman is because you're a bigot. So there's no other, there's no other reason, you know, Obama mm -hmm. went from campaigning on saying man is marriage is between a man and a woman to saying now it's all fine and we can switch it up and it's good. So she saw that cultural shift and started blogging, um, under kind of the cheeky name, ask the bigot and just started sharing some of these thoughts and her opinions about why marriage should be preserved between a man and a woman, things like that. She got doxxed by someone who didn't like her who exposed kind of the church, her church people. She's a pastor's wife and kind of like sort of this attempt to silence her and shut her down. And I think she's talked about when, when you get kind of your back into that corner, you start thinking, you know, what is, why am I doing this? She said, it's not that she feels this passion to like, I want to be in front of everyone and get some kind of kudos for doing this. She said, when you start realizing that children's rights are being violated it gets that mama bear backup sort of thing. And I think sure. that's her passion for saying, we have to start talking about this in a way that is going to reach out to the culture and, and be able to kind of sh move the dial. The opposing side uses story and anecdote and emotion. And the more conservative side has used facts and figures and here's some data for you. And we were losing everything. And she started saying, let's what's a way we can start using the data we have the good data we have decades of social science data but also let's start using the stories of the kids that were impacted and let's collect the stories of kids who are from third-party reproduction or children of divorce and start highlighting their stories because they're not being told in our culture and so kind of combining those things the data the good arguments and the stories that makes them before us unique and so in 2018 we started officially with a nonprofit or official nonprofit in the United States. And we've just kind of gone from there. No, that's, that's awesome. Thanks for giving us that, that context for kind of the origin story there. And then what would be the, the mission and, and vision? So kind of tied to that, obviously, but maybe drilling down just a little bit further, what's, what's the mission and vision behind the organization? And then what are, what are the goals? Yeah, we would love to say that we'd love to say the number one goal is a global takeover. So we want every country, every family group, every children's rights group to be talking about things the way we're saying this is the best way to talk about it. So, you know, then when we bring that down a little bit, it's to educate people. So we want everyone to be thinking about these controversial topics from the perspective of the child's rights. So take education or divorce or something. When a law or a policy comes up in front of it's in the newspaper, it's in the news or a politician brings it up, we're, we want everyone to then look at that and say, how would the rights of children be affected? So we're trying to educate people. Part of this is just getting even just conservatives and Christians on board with the ethical questions. So what are the ethical questions for IVF? What are the ethical questions for surrogacy? We're having to start just even on the more conservative and Christian side because, and I didn't even know these arguments or what were the problems with surrogacy until I started doing this work 
and sure. was educated, right? So, so many people are doing, we think the things are okay. Hey, there's, there's couples that struggle with infertility. So naturally we should want them to get, do whatever they want so they can have a child. That's kind of been our default position, even as Christians and conservatives. And we're trying to get everyone on board with, well, no, we need to ask first, what are the, what are the ethical considerations for the rights of the child? So we just want to be a part of every conversation, basically. So it's educating people. And once they, let's say, you know, the truth now, okay, well, how, how can they feel equipped to go and have that conversation with other people? Because these are really difficult conversations, especially it's usually with someone you love and care about someone you're close to. It might be an argument online, but that's different. This is, we're talking about, you know, relationship, someone who feels equipped to have that conversation with their sister or brother. Hey, I don't think you should use a surrogate and here's why. So we want to change hearts. We want to change laws. We kind of have that two pronged approach. We, we are involved in different, policy conversations and have submitted amicus briefs to the Supreme Court. But at the more grassroots level, it's having conversations and equipping people and changing the heart and mind around these topics. Yeah, it's really, really helpful. And and just like you said, with uh, obviously like facts and data are, are really important, right? But I really like what you said about like tying people's stories into that, right? Because mm-hmm. even you know, as a pastor, you know, most of the Bible is, is narrative and, and for a reason, right? And most of Jesus's teachings were parables, right? They're these, you know, little fiction stories that teach like a spiritual truth and reality, uh, right? And so I, I really right. like that about what you guys are doing because I've had the, those kind of feelings as, as someone who's, you know, conservative myself of, and and I'm younger, mm-hmm. but I also have, have felt for a long time like that we, we've just been thinking as conservatives that we can just throw like facts and data out and people will think logically because this is just math right. That, right. That, that that'll change their mind if they're just confronted with, you know, reality and really downplaying or not utilizing uh the, the more artistic forms of, of story and, and it's real, like these right. are real people with right. real stories, uh, but seeing that we have to play into uh, people as whole beings, not just brains on a stick, right? We have right. to appeal to people's emotions and, and things as well. So, well, and can I say too, yeah. um, there's such a powerful movement in our culture that really can stifle a lot of the communication when you're immediately called these horrific names, like you're a bigot, you're a homophobe, you're, you're only doing this because you hate gay people. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of goes back to the origin story where it shifted from suddenly there, there's no logical reason to think marriage should be between a man and a woman other than you're a bigot. And when someone feels equipped to very calmly be able to say, well, no, children just have a mother and a father. So I'm saying a child has a right to both of those people. They wouldn't exist without the mother and father. Why shouldn't they have that relationship? And you're kind of putting it back on them. No, give me a good reason why a child should be taken away from their mother and father. And we're not talking about, there's lots of reasons kids um, get taken out of parental custody for their protection. And there's a lot of hoops the government has to go through to be able to strip a parent of their, of their rights to their child. Right. And these, it's these extreme circumstances. And we're saying, well, no, when you use a surrogate, you're intentionally taking a kid from mom or dad. 
and you're putting it back on them. Help me understand why you think that's okay. And saying biology isn't bigotry. You know, it's it's just helping people mm-hmm. get equipped when you're kind of attacked with these uh, terms, cultural terms, to have this way to respond. It's like, no, I'm not anti-gay at all. I'm just saying that's a violation of the children's rights. And it's very powerful to equip people with that. Yeah, because everybody, and, and that's huge, because everybody uses certain language, right? There's an in language, there's terms that are culturally defined and buzzwords that everybody has. And then there's also cultural metaphors and stories. And so it ends up being this whole elaborate system of of thinking, right? And Mm -hmm. so we have to engage in a way uh, that, as, as you said, puts it back on people as well, instead of just being always being on the defensive, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to push back on, on that, even though there can be some legitimate, you know, fear of like, being misunderstood or labeled a certain way, but you have to sure. push pa- past that, right? Because yeah. the the truth matters. And and you mentioned one one thing on on your guys's mission and and goals there uh, of this equipping, right? So mm-hmm. uh, share with us what what types of resources and content you all create, and, and what's available on your website. So maybe highlight some of the key things that our listeners should take note of. I, I know for me, one of the most important and eye-opening things on the website uh, when I was first uh, introduced to it was kind of the fast uh, facts page. Yeah. And that's uh, just loaded with kind of one one page, easily accessible, you know, data-filled fact sheets, right, on a wide variety of topics and issues. Right. Could, could you share with us a little bit more about maybe that page and then anything else you would like to highlight for our listeners that would yeah. be particularly helpful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Our biggest resource I would say is the book. And actually those fast facts are summaries of the books of the chapters in, in our book. So uh, Katie and Stacy wrote a book called Them Before Us. You can get it on Amazon, you can get it wherever you buy books. And and even when I reread it, because I read it to pull out quotes for social media and things like that, I my mind's continually blown being reminded how important gender is, how important marriage is. There's, I think, nine or ten chapters, chapter about divorce, chapter about same-sex parenting. And that book is full. It has stories in it. It has studies in it. It's um, backed up by data, lots of citations. So that's a great resource. The fast facts that you can find on the website are great summaries for each of those things. And um, and then, like we've talked about, the thing that makes Them Before Us really unique, this is one of the tabs at our website, is stories. And you can even buy on the side of the page when you're looking at the stories, you can click kind of by topic. You can look at divorce or child of divorce, um, donor conceived, people who've shared their stories who have shared their stories and said, you know, I didn't know that my dad wasn't my dad, that I came from a sperm donor until I was 21 and did one of those 23 and me genetic things. So the stories are really powerful and we have a lot of stories in there. And then we have, we kind of just lay out some other things. We, we use our website too, to just keep people appraised of things that are going on that when we share, um, or push back with legal things around the U.S. or when we've traveled around the world and gotten to participate in other countries. Like um, we heard from a connection in Panama that a lot of what a lot of our message and the way that we present these arguments was really helpful in keeping Panama, like preserving marriage 
So then we'll kind of write a summary on that and post that just to keep people appraised of what's going on yeah, around that's the awesome. world. The thing we're really excited about that's going to be coming hopefully end of this year or next year is Katie just recorded a small group curriculum. So it'll be a series, I think nine or 10 videos and intentionally then adding on that Christian point of view on top of our book chapters. So something that churches could use, a small group could use, along with the book, and then watch a series of videos as a group, have discussion questions. And um, so that's a resource we're really excited for, to, because especially because so much of this is very helpfully done in a community, like being able to practice or talk about the questions and, oh, well, what would you say to this? That's really helpful. <clears throat> and we get to practice that all the time because we're thinking about how should I say this or that? And uh, it's, I think it's really helpful for any person who's involved in any way to practice talking about these topics in a safe place, you know, in a small group where you're getting to know people. And, yeah. Sure. No, that, that sounds, that sounds great. Cause you know, as, as a, you know, as a pastor, one, one thing I noticed, um, you know, before you mentioning that is that, you know, mo most of the materials written from, you know, like a, a natural law perspective, not overtly Christian, which is, you know, great for rallying, you know, general conservative minds that may not be, you know, necessarily uh, Christian, uh, but it's consistent nonetheless with like broadly biblical, with a broadly biblical worldview, which actually gives it an apologetic edge in our, you know, current cultural climate in a lot of ways. So, you know, for our, for our listeners, uh, by natural law, I just mean, you know, the order or rule of human conduct, which one, it's, it's based upon human natures created by God. It's second, knowable by all men through human intuition and reasoning alone. So beginning from, um, you know, observations of creation in general and human nature in particular, right? It's independent of any particular divine revelation provided through a divine spokesperson. And so thus it's number three normative for all human beings, right? So to say it another way, natural law refers to uh, God's basic moral will for the human race that's revealed in the created order itself, such that all people have the capacity to understand and respond to it. Although, you know, that they also sinfully distort that, right? And this is taught all over the place um, in scripture, which uh, we don't have to get into as a pastor and theologian, you know, natural law theory kind of, you know, fascinates mm -hmm. me. And I think it draws um, in this reality of, you know, like you, there's a sense in which you don't have to be Christian to read the writing on the wall of what we're doing to ourselves, mm -hmm. uh, to our world, to our communities, to our families. And then as you all point out, like to the, the children in, in particular, mm -hmm. right, who uh, are the ones that receive the biggest blow um, from all of this, who are the most vulnerable in this situation. And so, you know, one thing I, I don't want listeners to, to get confused on is, you know, they hear them before us and, and they're thinking, you know, it's like, oh, well, husband and wife, like have authority, you know, in the household, like over, you know, children, right? And if you're more conservative Christian, there's, you know, the husband is head of the home, 
God's the head of head of the husband, right? Mm-hmm. Christ is the head of of the husband, the household. That those type of like Christian dynamics, right? And so they could hear it as saying like, "Oh, is this just kind of the you know some type of because they haven't read your book, they have like mm-hmm. really looked into things. So, oh, this is this is just another one of those things where we're we're making children idols. Oh, sure, right and. Right. I, that would be the totally wrong way uh, to take the title and the work that, that you guys are, are doing. But it's just highlighting uh, what has been missing in our culture. We, we, we're idolizing ourselves, right? And, and right, it's, it's right. you know, this I, idea of, you know, expressive individualism. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not thinking about the rights of the most vulnerable, which are children, you know, in, in this case, I'm just doing whatever I want to and then leaving everything to just kind of be destroyed and disrupted um, in its wake. So, right. you know, is, is that kind of been um, part of the strategy from the beginning? You know, has is, is it kind of helped aid the organization to move from more of a, uh, at least in its inception, from kind of a natural law, you know, kind of non, non so the, the, you know, non-Christian conservatives is could kind of jump on, you know, this mission and vision of them before us and then kind of moving like you guys have to offering some things where, hey, you know, we'd really like some, you know, like churches and equip some Christians to be able to speak better into some of these areas. Yeah, I would say it was definitely very intentional. So for those of us that are Christians that are involved with the organization, we would say scripture is our ultimate authority, right? God is our ultimate authority. Yeah. And I would say, you know, people who don't think, don't believe God's real, whatever, they're still under the same authority. The difference is trying to have a conversation with someone who doesn't recognize that as an authority is sort of a non-starter. The same way that if I was chatting with someone who was a Muslim and they were quoting the Quran to me, that doesn't mean anything to me. I don't, your book is interesting in terms of you believe it and it's your whatever historical uh things it has to offer it might be interesting but it doesn't have any authority over me so we're saying we want to make this the broadest appeal possible like you're saying god's natural law is something everyone lives under experiences and and basically believes is true deep down whether they say it or not Mm -hmm. and so we're we're making an argument from god's world not god's word so we're trying to point to the things we all see and know to make the argument basically as a starting point. And then, yeah, for Christians, we're adding on top of that. And here's all the reasons within scripture that this, this lines up with what we're supposed to be doing anyway. You know, look how many times fatherless comes up in scripture, uh, that God's heart for widow, widows and orphans and the fatherless, he wants justice for them. He wants people to fight for them and to provide for them. And, um, yeah, so, but we're just saying people who don't identify under the Christian umbrella can get on board with a lot of these arguments. We've had conversations yeah. with people who are Muslim or Jewish or secular who say, I still agree that children have rights that my desires should not, my desires have to come under their rights. Their rights first, okay, then I want to do something. So it's pretty cool because we're kind of building a coalition of people who can all agree. We can stack hands on these these big things. And it gives us the freedom because we're not a Christian organization. It gives us the freedom to say, hey, if you're on board with what we're saying and doing, great. Like you can come alongside us. And we have, yeah, we have the freedom. If someone doesn't agree, then we're kind of like, okay, you know, you do your thing. We'll do (laughs) our thing. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. So maybe just to conclude here, how, how can individuals, if there are churches, other you know, types of organizations get involved in what them before us is doing to support your guys's efforts. And, you know, maybe we even have some, uh, people who are, you know, listening out there who might work for like a local city, you know, government or, uh, work for the County or state, uh, something, something like that. Yeah. We would love to build that network of people all across the country. We were hoping to roll out some training and like kind of this volunteer um, track. And so we have a number of people who've already, we have a survey that we can send out and an advocate group on Facebook. So, so we're trying to just gather people who are interested and to kind of see, oh, here's the things they're good at. Where do they live and and sort of build infrastructure that way. Right now we only have two full-time staff, you know, so we're very, we've done so much and we've gotten so much exposure and influence for how few people are actually getting paid. So people can go to the website, thembeforeus.com and contact us. You know, you can let us know where you're from or the church or, um, you know, your local connections that you have. We'd love to organize people and just get people on our mailing list for when we do start dropping these, whether it's the training or the small group, group curriculum, things like that. We're part of, um, I don't know if you've heard of Jordan Peterson started a new group called the Alliance of Responsible Citizenship. So mm-hmm. that of us is on that organizing committee, which is pretty cool. So there's going to be some really exciting things, I think, coming up, coming from us in the next year or two. So we'd love people just to be signed up so they can hear about it. And then we can put those opportunities out there as they come up, you know. Awesome. Well, Jen, I really appreciate you coming on the show and having this conversation with me and pray blessings on them before us and and what you guys are doing. So I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me for a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Listeners, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show. If you haven't already, Share it with your friends and give it a good review, whether written or just clicking some stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps others find this show that may be interested in gospel-centered resources like this one. Also, if you have an idea for an episode or someone you'd like for me to interview, please reach out to me and let me know. Thank you, and until next time.